Welcome in. This is Religionless Christianity. I'm your host, Spencer. It's my beautiful wife, Nikki. Hello. Dressed in all white, looks like an angel. <laughs> I'm very blessed. Um, we're glad that you are here. If you're new, don't let the name fool you. We are not religionless. This show is not religionless. It's quite Christian, in fact. So Christian, we will critique other Christians. Uh, what's more Christian than criticizing other Christians? Um, but it's more specifically the world that we live in and the nation that we live in that is increasingly secular, very religionless place, um, and that at least in part is where the name for the show comes from. So how can we live a life that's pleasing to God in a secular or religionless world? That is what we're going to try to help you with, help ourselves with, um, by looking at the news from the country, from around the world, and all that sort of stuff this week, as we do every week. So today on the show, uh, we are going to discuss the Alistair Begg uh, controversy uh, that's recently embroiled him. We're also going to take a look at a new cult, which is always fun, and uh, also a Christian foster company that is doing what's right, in my opinion. But before we get to all of that... Uh, do you have anything you'd like to say? Any prayer requests, praise reports, anything of that sort? Yeah, I just want to give praise to God. Um, I brought up before how I struggle um, just with homeschooling, um, just finding the motivation to just not to teach. I don't mind teaching, but it's going over the work that they do. Like it overwhelms me. And I don't know how teachers check all the work. I'm like, I can't even, like, I don't even. I don't like that kind of work. But anyway, I pray about it a lot that it's, you know, it's a, that's a me problem. It's something that I can't change about myself. And I've asked God to help me to just desire to do it, to, to be convicted. And this, this whole week I have been convicted. I've had, I felt an urgency to get this done. And I just, all I can say is that God is doing it because we can't change our own hearts. We can't control um, the things we desire to do. Um, it just seems like it's been more of a priority for me and not so, it hasn't felt like the burden um, that it's felt like for me. And I know that's a sad thing to say. You know, we encourage people to homeschool, but. Um, that's just the aspect of it that I struggle with. So I am just saying this is, I would call this a miracle, God changing someone's heart um, to just want to do right, to put first things first, because um, I don't want to be lazy. Um, and I want to do, um, well, God has given me children to homeschool, and I need that's that's important. It's the work that God has given me to do, and I can't be lazy in that. So I've had strong conviction um, in regards to this, but I just praise God that He's He's helping me. He's giving He's changing my desires and giving me conviction, which is what prods me in the right direction. So I praise God for conviction. Not many people will say conviction is a blessing, but it but it is. So. Yeah. I'd agree. And uh, my prayers are basically just in line with that. It's a praise report. And I'll just say before I mention my praise report, we'd love to hear your praise reports. If God's doing something awesome in your life, let us know in the comments, send us an email. Or if you really need 
people to partner with you in prayer, please let us know. Send us an email. Links are in the show notes. We'd love to partner with you in prayer. That's something we've desired to do since we started this podcast, and we still desire to do. And um, that it just kind of goes in line with my praise report for the week was kind of like Nikki said, just the Holy Spirit just bringing conviction on um, as we pray. You know, I just started my new semester in seminary, and one of the classes I'm taking is prayer and the pastor. And part of the curriculum, if you will, for this class is you have to pray for 45 minutes a day. And you can't do any less than 15 minute chunks, which, Mm. you know, is tough for probably most people because, you know, that's a lot of prayer time for most probably busy Christians. And I know it was for me, but it's certainly getting far easier. And, you know, I can't kind of have it broken out in the way that I pray, but a lot of it's praying through the Bible or praying through um, like the Valley of Vision and different prayer sort of um, helps, if you will, but then scripture mostly. And. It's just amazing how when you pray through scripture, you know, not really taking anything into it, just opening it up to a psalm. You know, I like to pray through Psalm 119, and you just sort of let it take you where the scriptures and the Holy Spirit takes you. It's amazing what comes out of you and what comes to your mind and your thoughts and the convictions and where the prayer sort of leads you to. Uh, it's usually by the time you get done praying, you're like, all right, like <laughs> not really sure why I was on that topic there, and but I was just kind of going for it. And you're blessed at the end of it. So it's been awesome. God is awesome. Uh, anytime you lean into him more, you realize he's more awesome. Mm-hmm. So lean into him more and you'll find <laughs> out for yourself. Um, so yeah, please consider, you know, sending us your prayer or praise requests, reports. We would love to hear those sorts of things, but we'll get this show on the road here. Um, and last week, you know, we kind of kicked off the show talking about some persecuted Christians And I thought, you know what, if some stories about persecuted Christians are good, then more is better. So I wanted to highlight this other story that I saw this week. Do you want to read that headline? Nicaragua's relentless crackdown on the church continues. Yeah. So, you know, we talked last week about some Christians that were suffering some um, oppression, although that wasn't necessarily directed at them in that story Mm -hmm. last week, but they were still suffering. Um, This one is more directed specifically at Christians. And, you know, we brought up last week how the Bible instructs us, uh, Hebrews 13.3, to pray with those who are, you know, persecuted like we're persecuted with them. And there are a lot of these stories around the world. We could probably do stories like this every week. Um, I don't think I'll do them every week, but when I see them, I just like to make it a point that we should be praying in our prayer time for our brothers and sisters in Christ who are suffering because they are suffering. And this story, and uh, I think I had a different article actually that I forgot to pull up here, but a story I read, the same story, just from a different paper. It said that this year alone, the Ortega Murillo government, who I guess is the leader of Nicaragua, has arrested several priests, expelled missionaries. He shut down Catholic radio stations, hmm. closed down Catholic universities, He's banned Catholic processions and pilgrimages in a cathedral where the priest prayed for the nation. So he's been very aggressive. And while that's bad, uh, I would say prayers have been answered, at least in this nation. I would assume there's many others praying for these people because um, this article that we have here talks about how um, this year, though, even amidst all that persecution, 
they the government unexpectedly released two bishops, 15 priests, and two seminary students from prison and sent them out of the country. And one of those bishops was sentenced to 26 years in prison. And by God's grace, he was released. So uh, just hmm. want to keep making that reminder. Like, we got a lot to pray for, which means we need to spend a lot of time in prayer. Because... Yeah. You know, we can't just say, well, Lord, I was busy, so I didn't pray for the persecuted brothers and sisters. No, you're commanded to pray for them, right? Paul tells us to pray for these people. Mm -hmm, so we need to carve out time, make time in our life to pray for them. Uh, it's important or else it wouldn't be in the Bible. So I just wanted to give that plug. Oh, and also, if you're going to Nicaragua anytime soon because they need the gospel, consider reaching out to Cardinal Contingency Solutions and uh, actually get yourself prepared before you walk into a nation with a hostile government because um, they can give you the the tools to help keep you and your team safe, you and your missionaries safe, and um, still be effective in your mission. Uh, so reach out to Cardinal. Links are in the show notes. I don't think you'll be disappointed. Um, but that was just a freebie. That even wasn't even part of the, the podcast there. That's just our gift to you. So Really, the first story that I wanted to uh, highlight here is going to warm Nikki's heart as we talk about politics for just a brief moment. I just wanted to highlight this. Um, just a quick story from the political world. Our guy, Nikki and our, mm -hmm. uh, the person we were hoping to represent yeah. us from the uh, presidential office, Ron DeSantis, uh, this week suspended his presidential campaign. And then... Um, Donald Trump went on this week and won New Hampshire again. So as we kind of said last week, it kind of looks like it's probably going to be pretty smooth sailing for Donald Trump to the nomination. Yeah. But I only wanted to bring this story up here to make two points really about the state of this nation, especially in light of the vote in New Hampshire. So the first point that I wanted to make up or uh, make here was, you know, and we've said this before, and I still believe it to this day, I think that it says far worse about our country that Donald Trump would beat Ron DeSantis in the Republican primary than it would say if Joe Biden beats Donald Trump again yeah. for the presidency. So I agree. just to say that again, it says worse for our country that Trump beat DeSantis than it would say if Biden beats Trump. Mm -hmm. Um, because it was, or what it says to me is like, we know that the left in this nation is godless in so many respects. Um, a lot of the policies and things they've advocated for and run very far, very fast towards are godless. And that's nothing new, right? But to have the right supposed to be sort of the counterweight to the left to basically choose vengeance over reformation, if you will, mm -hmm. uh, with Trump over DeSantis. To me, that says we don't really have a Christian alternative to the godless left anymore, at least not in a large and influential way. You know, it's like we have one party that shakes its fist at God and we have another party that is turning its back on God. And mm -hmm. I think that's not a great spot for this nation to be in. Um, and then secondly, my second point here, Joe Biden won the New Hampshire primary. He won the New Hampshire Democrat primary, if you will. 
And I just want you to consider what this means to have Joe Biden win this primary. So Joe Biden basically requested the Democrat National uh, Committee or Convention Democrat National Committee, I guess, probably. I don't know what it stands for. The DNC. Um, he petitioned them to move or to replace the New Hampshire primary um, as the first state to hold a primary. So for those of you that aren't, you know, really into politics, New Hampshire by state law, New Hampshire's passed a law in the state that they have to be the first state to hold a Democrat primary. They have to hold, I think, seven days before the next state. So by law, they have to do this. The DNC told them, we want you to essentially break the law and not hold your primary first, which seems fitting that the most, uh, I guess, law breakingest you know, political party we've had in our lifetime would be comfortable telling other people to break the law. But uh, he pushed them to move their primary and allow it to be replaced by South Carolina. And he asked it expressly because there are more black people in South Carolina. And again, it's not my words. Let me pull up this mm. article here. This is Joe Biden here. It says for decades, or do you want to read this, honey? I've been talking for a while. I know. <laughs> People are sick of hearing me. For decades, black voters in particular have been the backbone of the Democratic Party, but have been pushed to the back of the early primary process. We rely on those voters um, in elections, but have not recognized their importance in our nominating calendar. It is time to stop taking these voters for granted and time to give them a louder and earlier voice in the process. Yep. So South Carolina has black, more black voters. They should be first. Now, the skeptic would say that this is partly to punish New Hampshire because Joe Biden did not win New Hampshire in 2020. But Sounds that's what the skeptics childish. would say, I'm sure. So, <laughs> well, anyways, New Hampshire went ahead and they held their first or their primary first because, again, by law, they have to. Mm. Um and the Democrat Party said that any votes from, you know, that primary, which was on Tuesday, will not count towards the nomination. So the state of New Hampshire was just disenfranchised by Joe Biden and the Democrat Party. And their votes have, uh, they will not be counted towards the nomination, an entire state. Um, and even with that full knowledge, um, that their votes wouldn't count because of Joe Biden, the Democrat Party, even with Joe Biden not being on the ballot, he wasn't he didn't make it on the ballot for whatever reason. Even with all that, the liberal voters in that state went out and voted for Joe Biden in a landslide. So the voters in New Hampshire just voted for the guy who took away their the power of their vote. Consider that. They literally went out and wrote in the name of the guy who told them he doesn't want or care about their vote. Like, that is something. That is staggering. Like, Russia and China would even have a hard time pulling that off. And New Hampshire just did it, and we're supposed to not care or notice. Like, that's half the voters in this nation that are just unreachable. Like, how do you reach that level of, like, uh, I don't know what you call it, where like 
isolated isolation, I guess, where like you won't even consider the other side or like, no, I, I'm a Democrat. I vote this side. Your guy doesn't care about you and doesn't want you to vote for him. No, I will vote for like that's something. So uh, both of these results, it made me think of Isaiah chapter one, verse five. We might have mentioned this in the past. You know, this is the verse, where will you or where will you be stricken again as you continue in your rebellion? Um, you know, so I would say America far from being ready for any real awakening. Uh, it seems like we're still running fast and far in the opposite direction. As we continue on in this rebellion, we will be stricken still. Uh, it has not woken us up just yet. So just wanted to highlight that sad about Ron, mm -hmm. uh, disconcerting about Donald Trump and Joe Biden. I know poor Kobe was just telling me earlier today what he likes about Ron. I was like, sorry. <laughs> yeah. <It's> like what? <laughs> yeah, maybe we'll get back to Florida someday. Um, <laughs> but enjoy Florida. You got a good governor. And uh, but with that all being said, I would just remind us Christians out there not to fear. Have faith. God is in control. Um, and, uh, that is something we can rest in. Yeah. You know, we don't have to be anxious and fearful. Right. You can just look at it and go, that doesn't seem great. <laughs> All right. Um, mm -hmm. so, uh, anyways, uh, if that isn't bad enough, um, mm. we got a new cult in America. <laughs> it seems so, uh, that's great. Do you want to read, oh, uh, right. this headline and then the first couple paragraphs? All right, says six who went missing may be tied to a cult. Here's how social media draws people in. Hmm. It says, in an era when almost anyone can reach millions on the internet, where is the line drawn between a social media influencer and an influential leader who draws followers to something more sinister? Six people are missing out of Missouri after investigators believe they were sucked into what appears to be a spiritual cult on social media called the University of Cosmic Intelligence. The group is run by convicted child molester Rashad Jamal. <laughs> so, yeah, if social yeah, media isn't, you know, uh, contaminating your child's minds, leading them into immoral lifestyles. Well, it'll help you find a cult to your liking. Uh, this is the joys of living in modern society. Um, and do you want to read this next paragraph here that I thought was interesting? Right. Uh, Jamal is currently in prison on child molestation and cruelty to children convictions. Authorities say he built up an online following of hundreds of thousands of followers on platforms including YouTube, TikTok, and Instagram, and shares his theories about Black and Latino people being gods and goddesses, while people of other races and ethnicities are not from this planet. You know, so it talks about six people or whatever went missing, so... You know, this Jamal fella's cult might be pretty small, uh, but his reach on social media is pretty big. If you look up the University of Cosmic Intelligence on YouTube, he has over 201,000 subscribers. And that's just on YouTube, um, which is something. And uh, this is just going to be another petition that we have for protecting your children and your entire family on social media. Uh, it is not a place that you want your kids to just have free reign. 
There is certainly some value to social media, but it has got to be a controlled substance. Um, this article goes down here and it says, the pot of odd beliefs that's bubbling outside of mainstream society has always existed, said Stephen Kent, emeritus professor at the University of Alberta's so sociology department. But experts say with the internet and the dominance of social media, people have easier access to them and targeted content can uh, drag them further in. And yeah, of course it can, right? It's dragging kids into all forms of sin and depravity, it seems. There's not a greater way to reach people, honestly. Like this is like... It's the greatest in human seems history. seems like the height of it. It's hard um, to imagine it being greater in yeah. the future. But I know, don't want it to be. That's scary. Like it's already... I'm sure in the 70s and or the you know 50s when Elvis was shaking his pelvis, the parents were like, "Oh, it could never get worse." And then the you know 70s and the summer of love, and they're like, "Holy smokes!" And now we got the life that we live. So it can probably always get worse. But um, I know just because you can't imagine it, it's just yeah. They didn't imagine that everybody would have their own personal screen in their pocket. Ah, to go back to the days of Elvis just shaking his pelvis. Those were the good old days, weren't they? Was it easy? No. <laughs> isn't that like things really went oh. wrong? And it wasn't Elvis's fault. <laughs> but, you know, I would not be shocked to see more cults like this. Um, you know, especially with the intense focus on race that we have in our nation, mm. especially amongst African-Americans, you know, People may be having more of an appetite for it, I would assume. I mean, it's being pushed on them pretty hard. We've seen in recent years sort of a, a rise, if you will, in like the black Hebrew Israelites, if you will. You know, they kind of teach the whole uh, black people are God's chosen people. So if that's already something that's being taught, we've talked about this before. You got to find your niche, right? Keep niching down. So you got one you know, group of folks telling you black people are God's chosen people. And now here's a cult just coming along going and be like, nah, man, we're God's all together. Forget God's people. We're just God's, right? Um, but it's pretty dangerous stuff. And it's really easy to laugh off some of this stuff on social media, especially if you're not engaged in it. Um, but it's doing real damage. And if you don't yeah. safeguard yourself and your family against it, like, Someone you know or love could be its next victim. So you should take it serious. Uh, it's crazy to think that people are sucked into something that sounds so silly. that They would take something that's laughable to us, but take it serious. That's yeah, really amazing. Yeah, it doesn't even have to be a lot of people, right? But I mean, these are six real people whose lives have been kind of ruined. Did it say if it was children? Yeah, it says one of the girls was like 29. Like two of the girls, I think, had three-year-old kids that they went missing with. So oh. they brought young children into this. Um, do you want to read this last paragraph here, I think? All right, it says, Police in Berkeley, Missouri, have said the missing people were followers of Jamal on social media, uh, shared his content and referenced his teachings. Their behaviors included engaging in polygamy, changing their names to a spiritual god or goddess, and referring to their mother as a shell that brought their spirit into the universe. 
Now, this all may sound kooky, uh, but I think more and more people are becoming susceptible to this sort of stuff, maybe not to the level of Jamal and his university of cosmic intelligence. Um, but, you know, we talk here a lot about how in this nation, people are becoming increasingly spiritual while simultaneously mm -hmm. less Christian. Mm -hmm. You know, so there's an opening for cults and false religions with a lot of people, I think. And, you know, in the internet age that we live in, you know, it's not like you have to necessarily anymore go down to the street corner in Harlem to hear the black Hebrew Israelites teaching. Mm. You can just sit in the comfort of your own home and watch on YouTube. No one will have to know or judge you for what you're watching and learning. Um, and, you know, YouTube, it'll just continue to feed you that same content and get you locked in your yeah. bubble there and uh, take you further and further down that rabbit hole. Uh, so, it's really dangerous, right? Again, this is talking about cults and this sort of stuff. And, but we've seen the same thing with TikTok and, uh, you know, the social contagion that transgenderism is, um, that stuff is there happening as well. So it's dangerous stuff. You know, it's easy to laugh off, but again, just a reminder, please protect your kids, protect yourself on social media. Uh, because it's easy to assume all this stuff is just going to happen to other people. But, um, you know, yeah. that's just prideful, I would say, sure. to think that you can't be um, caught up in something to this effect. So do you have any final thoughts just on like <laughs> cults or social media? I mean, I just think with anything that's different, I know we've touched on this idea before, but people just want to feel like they are part of something special. And I think that's just the draw and you don't know what it's going to be. They could have been drawn into some other cult, you know, and, and believed that one completely just as much as they believe this one. Oh, yeah. I think it's just that desire to be part of something. Yeah. And I mean, we have that spiritual desire inside of us because mm -hmm. we're spiritual beings. And um, if it's not being filled by the true and living God, the Holy Spirit, then something else darker and more sinister will fill it. So it's definitely dangerous. Um, but all right. Uh, not everybody in the world has gone crazy. There is still good news out there. Um, there's still some people making good decisions, um, good decisions for God and Bethany Christian services is one of those people. Uh, so that's what we want to talk about next. Before we do though, if you wouldn't mind taking just a quick second, drop a like, subscribe, follow whatever platform that you're on, consider leaving a comment, a nice review, all of those things certainly help us out a great deal. And we would be very appreciative of it. So uh, do you want to read this next headline here about Bethany Christian Services? All right, Bethany Christian Services, no longer hiring non-Christians, bans political displays. Bethany Christian Services, like most religious organizations, expects its employees to align with core beliefs that reflect Bethany's foundation of faith and to adhere to certain expectations, including following a viewpoint-neutral policy against workplace activism and advocacy. A statement from Bethany Christian Services shared with the Christian Post. Um, this policy is designed to promote a culture of mutual respect and unity for our diverse staff and clients as we work to serve vulnerable men, women, and children of all backgrounds and beliefs. The statement comes as Michigan news outlets like Wood TV 8 reported this month that the Grand Rapids-based charity's new CEO, Keith Kirton, who was appointed last June 
told staff late last year that the organization will no longer make exceptions to hiring non-Christians. Under the new executive, there was also reportedly a stricter ban on political workplace displays such as flags or banners that support the LGBT community or other politically divisive movements such as Black Lives Matter. The policy also includes conservative political displays such as those promoting the pro-Trump MAGA movement or a 1776 flag. Hold on a second. (laughs) So this company was able to ban flags that support the LGBTQ community. Because I distinctly remember not very long ago, Dallas Jenkins in The Chosen told us you could not ban flags from your, you know, LGBTQ flags from your employees or else they would ban you somehow from working. That's what we were told by Dallas Jenkins. Do you guys remember that? He must allow pride flags on the set of a show about Jesus so that he could have his Christian faith on a show about Jesus. One of those seems wrong, right? So now I wanted to mention this, uh, this story here. Um, And we are, you know, talking about the chosen a little bit here, right? Um, This is something that we have seen and heard, you know, that like the Christians or religious companies must hire or work with those who don't believe the same way. You know, you guys, if you're on social media at all, you've probably seen some of the, uh, the posts. I know I've seen them in increasing number lately. You know, they're like pics or posts from like gay couples showing off the mm-hmm. new babies that yeah. they just got. Like I even saw one just the other day. It was like a gay couple and the dude was like laying in the hospital bed with the baby on his chest. But these babies that they get, you know, received by surrogates or whatever happens to be. Uh, and I just wish that more companies would do this, like where it's intelligent and it's important to do it. And, you know, a Christian foster company, I think it's very important to hire people that believe like you. Um, and I don't know if this Bethany Christian services has like a faith-based requirement for foster parents, but I certainly hope that they do, you know, and I would understand that you maybe can't say, well, we have a 100% policy that we only give foster kids to Christian parents, but I hope that they would like exhaust all options before sending these kids into non-Christian homes or, you know, homes of young homosexual couples. I hope they would exhaust all other options. So, um, I love this story. This story makes me happy. Um, I just wish more Christians took their faith serious, like serious enough to say that like, Hey, you know what? A pride flag shouldn't be on a TV show about a guy who had to be nailed to a cross because of the sin of that pride flag. Mm-hmm. Like at least take your faith that serious would be nice. But it might offend people. Yeah. Nobody if I don't let do that, that pride flag here, I can't wear my cross necklace on a show about Jesus. Like, no, you can, <laughs> you can do both. Um, and uh, I think, you know, take your faith serious. I'm glad to see they're doing this. Like, especially, you know, the family unit, right? And this the idea of these foster kids and adoption agencies, the family environment, the home environment is incredibly important for a child's life, especially a young child. Yeah. Um, it's one thing for us to talk about all this because the 
the the pro-choice crowd will say that, you know, we only care about babies in the womb and not when they're outside the womb. And I mean, there is something to that. I mean, a little truth to that because we do need more Christians to, you know, foster at least. Absolutely. Um, it seems like there's just hurdles and loops to jump through and it just kind of, I don't know. I think that's the main thing that, well, we moved a lot. We've, we've, um, we started the process before when we were in Arkansas and then you got, we got orders to Alaska and Mm -hmm. we've always wanted to. Um, so I can't just point the finger, you know, if, if there's nobody, I don't know how many people there are out there. Um, it's probably not as many Christians as non-Christians. That's my point. (laughs) This is something where, again, we want to see the change and we have to be the change, right? Um, we're trying to take that step again and get signed back up for foster care. Uh, but we would encourage all Christians because again, right. It's easy to point to the story and be like, Woo, that's great. Don't send them to, you know, live in sexually immoral households or households that don't right. have a faith background. But if Let's there's no easier for these organizations. Yeah. Yeah. So easily we have find to Christian that on ourselves. Yeah. But I just wanted to highlight a company that's doing it right. I think, um, and I love that this article goes on in here. If you read through it, and again, all of these articles will be linked in the show notes. You can go read them. But it talks about how employees that worked at Bethany got upset when they were told that they couldn't promote their like activist identities at work. It um, is funny. It's an identity. Yeah. You're like, what do you mean I can't, you know, hang my pride flag from this Christian-owned company's, you know, cubicle? Yeah, you can't. Um, so. Kudos to this CEO. His name is Keith Kiritan. He's the new CEO there that implemented these changes. So kudos to Keith. Keep up the good work. Um, Dallas Jenkins, if you're listening, call Keith and figure out how to run a Christian company. I think he might have some good advice for you. So kudos to Keith. Kudos to Bethany. Just wanted to highlight a company that's doing it right. But uh, any last thoughts on any of the stories that we talked about here um, before we move on to the heretic, the disgraced and discredited Alistair Begg? Any thoughts? Any last thoughts? No, no. We can All move right. On. <laughs> Too much important stuff here to talk about. Um, but before we get there, <laughs> let me just remind you guys that we are proud members of the Christian podcast community. It's a great place to go find about 60-ish Christian sort of indie podcast covering a whole host of topics. Links to that will be in the show notes as well. Um, Go check it out. The great thing about it is you subscribe to one feed and you get, you know, basically all the podcasts um, sent to that one feed. So you don't got to go and subscribe to 60 different podcasts. Um, It's pretty nice. So nice. I uh, subscribe myself. So, um, all right. For those of you who don't know, uh, last week, audio sort of resurfaced, not that it was hidden, but it resurfaced from a podcast that Alistair Begg uh, conducted last year. And uh, it's a podcast in which he gave some person, and I guess you could say in a sense, everyone listening to the podcast, advice that maybe uh, the Christian thing to do would be to go to your, like, I think it was his nephews, right? The lady that called in, it was concerning her grandson, I believe. Yeah. So his advice was basically 
to tell Christians to go in that scenario, go to your grandson's transgendered wedding. So let's play that clip for you guys, and then we'll come back here and discuss it. And in very specific areas, this comes across. I mean, you and I know that we field questions all the time that go along the lines of, uh, my grandson is about to be married to a transgender person, and I don't know what to do about this, and I'm calling to ask you to tell me what to do, which is a huge responsibility. And in a conversation like that just a few days ago, um, and uh, people may not like this answer, but I asked the I asked the grandmother, "Does your grandson understand your uh, belief in Jesus?" Yes. Does your grandson understand that your belief in Jesus makes it such that you can't countenance uh, in any affirming way the choices that he has made in life? Yes. I said, "Well, then, okay. As long as he knows that." then I suggest that you do go to the ceremony, mm. and I suggest that you buy them a gift. Mm. Oh, she said, what? She was caught off guard. I said, well, here's the thing. You're not going to, your, your love for them may catch them off guard, but your absence will simply reinforce the fact that they said these people are what I always thought, judgmental, critical, unprepared mm-hmm. to countenance anything. And it is a fancy, it is a fine line, isn't it? It really yeah. is. And people need to work out their own salvation with fear and trembling. But I think we're going to take that risk. We're going to have to take that risk a lot more if we want to build bridges into the hearts and lives of those who don't understand Jesus and and don't understand that he is a king. So uh, the comments that he made there that you guys just listened to came during an interview um, that Alistair Begg was giving on, I think, his Truth For Life, you know, radio podcast or radio show, uh, which, you know, Truth For Life is Alistair Begg's ministry. And the purpose of the interview really was to discuss Alistair's book, The Christian Manifesto. Um, and what's funny is that this interview starts off with Alistair explaining why he gave his book the title that he did. <laughs> and he basically says that it was to be prov- provocative. Uh, and it's funny that in this interview, that's like the least provocative thing is the book title. Uh, so he got the provocative, just not for the reason he was really hoping for. So, yeah. um, so in response to that segment of the clip or that segment of the podcast there, a lot of people over social media have been speaking out about Alistair Begg, uh, I just saw the other day that American family radio has kicked him off the air. Uh, so things have gotten pretty big, wow. pretty fast. And to be honest, I don't know how I feel about it. Uh, so we're going to kind of go through it. So um, the first thing that I wanted to mention, I guess, about this is that this comment was made at minute 27 of a 30-minute interview. And I have not heard and I haven't listened to every or a lot, but I haven't heard anyone even mention the rest of the interview. But I think it's important context to discuss the rest of the interview. And it is funny, maybe sad funny that, you know, reformed Christians, if you were, will, they're like the context kings, right? They love to throw that at people who they disagree with on scripture. Context, context, context. But when they're throwing one of their own under the bus... They just don't really have time for the context, do they? 
kind of ironic, if you will. Yeah. But uh, so this interview, again, right, it's about this book Alistair wrote called The Christian Manifesto. And the book focuses on Jesus's sermon on the plain from Luke 6. And it is basically about like actually living like Jesus commanded us to in this world and how by living like Jesus commanded us to, we may actually be able to reach people with the gospel, um, which is a crazy idea. I know. I think the only other place I've ever heard that is the Bible, <laughs> <laughs> but that was the context. So uh, I just want to play one more uh, quick clip for you guys before I let Nikki get in here and have her opinion, which I may disagree with and have to scold her later. We'll see. Um, but just to get an idea of the context. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I think the thing that um, underpins this, and it's it's a short book, I think, with a big punch, uh, more of a punch than I actually realized. And if at this point in in history, at this point in our history in America, with an increasingly divided country, on all kinds of fronts, if the people of God, if we the people of God are prepared to actually take these things seriously and endeavor at great cost to ourselves and perhaps to our reputation and perhaps to our own agendas and strategies and everything else, be prepared to let the world in to see the embryonic nature of this kingdom. That it, it, the Part of the problem is and I say this in the book, I say, you know, this idea of, of a forgiving spirit or uh, loving your enemy or whatever it might be, uh, does the average person in our community say, well, if I want to know about that, I should go to such and such a church? Or do university or college students say, oh, yeah, those are the people, those are the, the kingdom people, those are the Jesus people, that they understand that? And to our shame, I don't think that would necessarily be the immediate response. And so so again, that's Alistair sort of giving the context um, that Christians need to take serious the call of Christ to live different was kind of the point there. And, you know, as I think about this, I think the point that I've kind of taken away is that, at least to me, I think Alistair was right in principle, but I think he's wrong in execution. Yeah, like we're supposed to live different, but not contrary to biblical instruction. That's not what different should come to. Right. And, you know, I think his idea there, the principle that like, we should not be who the godless world labels us um, as being, mm -hmm. but instead maybe go out of your way, even out of your comfort zone to show people the love of Christ. I think that's, I mean, I know that's right in right. principle. But like you said, you just can't go against what else the Bible teaches us about proper living. You know, you can't mm -hmm. essentially sin in hopes of doing or you can't sin in hopes of having a good outcome, if you will. Mm -hmm. um, and this is where I think Alistair is clearly wrong. Uh, do you want to read Ephesians chapter five, verse 11? Yeah, it says, and do not participate in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead even expose them. You know, I think that's clear. We pull up another one here. Do you want to read Romans one thirty-two? And although they know the righteous requ requirement of God, that those who practice such things are worthy of death, they not only do the same, but also give hearty approval to those who practice them. 
Yeah, you know, and I think in a sense, Alistair is kind of telling us to give hearty approval to those who practice these sinful things. So again, I believe that Alistair is wrong here in his execution. I think he's wrong in his application to mm-hmm. this woman. Um, that's what I sort of take away from this. Yeah, he, yeah, because he thinks it's like closing the door <clears throat> on that opportunity to share the gospel. So I just don't think you have to, I think you would be muddying the name of God by going to the wedding um, because you represent God and you are saying that you approve, therefore God approves. That's the message it sends um, to the couple and to everybody else there. It's not just about the grandson, you have to consider all the other souls. Um, right. Cause the other people the other there people witnessing there. you and, you know, and even if this was advice given at another time in history, um, you maybe probably still not good advice. Right. But maybe there's an argument, but in the world we live in where transgenderism is not just spreading across the country, but it's ravaging the church itself. You know, that's where you kind of have to be like, no, I'm making a stand here, right? Like I'm doing what's right in God's eyes. I'm not going to, you mm-hmm. know, lend my name and my, you know, appearance here to what I believe is a sinful practice. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think, <clears throat> you know, and this was a thought that I had as I was listening to this, that, you know, people are crushing him for saying like, you know, you shouldn't go to the wedding. Um, and again, I agree with that, but, you know, um, and maybe he was just trying to couch himself by saying, like, does your grandson know that you don't approve? Does he know that you're a Christian? Does he know basically what Christians teach about your lifestyle? Um, you know, so I would say most Christians, that's probably a no answer to anyways, right? Um, so again, I still don't think it's right, but like, I guess even if you're in that boat, at least let your stance on the topic be known ahead of time. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what I kind of, and this was my initial thought, you know, my mind has changed a little bit on it, but my thought was like, maybe for Alistair, you know, that might be something to do, right? Because you know who Alistair is. You know what he's preached for all these decades. You know his views on the topic. So it's not like necessarily him being there might be approval in a sense, right? Because he's Mm -hmm. well known. But, you know, if your views aren't known at all, then they certainly would just lump you in with somebody who approves of it. Um, Mm -hmm. That was kind of my initial thoughts. But again, I still think this is wrong advice. I don't agree with this advice. I mean, I think you should make your views known to them that you don't agree with it. You're a Christian, that sort of stuff. Um, So at first when I listened to it, I thought that he was, that the grandmother was saying that the son was a believer, agreed, but it was just saying that he was aware of her Christian values. Right. And yeah, so that was his point. The son, you know, the grandson is not a believer, is transgender, but he's aware of what the grandmother believes and he knows the Christian viewpoint on it. And and this is again where like 
I'm kind of torn because I think he's right in principle, right? The principle is like, what are you willing to do to reach somebody who's otherwise unreachable? Are you willing to go out of your comfort zone? Are you willing to think outside the box? Mm -hmm. Are you willing to like bridge the gap in any way you can, which Christians should. And I think so often we aren't, you know, I think so often we, our hearts aren't, you know, um, grieved over sinners that are Mm -hmm. going to hell. And I think that's the principle he's trying to get across. I think his execution, I think his advice is wrong, but I think the principle of, you know what, try something like Try something they don't expect, right? Catch them off guard with your love and kindness. I think that's a right, right principle. You can show your love for someone in another way. Like this isn't the last opportunity you're gonna have, you know, to show love. You're not you're not closing a door on your relationship with your grandson. Right. And you don't go I don't to the think wedding. You are. I don't know why he would I don't know why he would think. Like that's what concerned me is that he thought that that meant closing a door. Why would he think that that means you're closing a door on relationship with your grandson or anybody in your life when they know your Christian values? Right. I don't agree with him on that. Would that it necessarily... the grandson view you coming to his wedding as you shutting the door on God? That seems a little more... Well, no. I mean, a godless person isn't going to think of that in any respect. But I some other... I don't know how it view, Maybe. other people view it. Right. I don't know where, <clears throat> why he was thinking that necessarily. Uh, I don't want to necessarily speculate on what his thoughts were. Uh, but I, I don't think this is good advice. But I, I like... I mean, I like the idea of, you know, try something new. Try anything. Right? Do... Do something you're uncomfortable with to reach lost sinners. Just don't sin, right? Don't lead yourself into sin. But, um, Mm -hmm. you know, I think one of the big reasons why this doesn't sit right with me, what's happening to Alistair Begg, is really just the response, you know, because the response was almost immediate and it was negative. It was critical. And I didn't listen to all of them, but I'll just play one that I did listen to from Joel Webin, who I think runs the right response ministries. And he's somebody that I, um, for the most part, like to listen to. So let me just play this quick clip from Joel Webin. Um, but this is something that happened years ago. Um, a lot of guys uh, were thinking uh, poorly uh, years ago. The Lord and his providence has been merciful to wake a lot of us up, including myself, um, over the past three years few years i see things much with much more clarity than i than i did in 2000 you said 15 no no no. this was this year oh my goodness yeah, Never yeah. Mind. Okay, it was yeah, it was, then, it was 2023 just then alistair beck sucks um he's just absolutely <laughs> yeah that, okay so uh, i take i take everything back so i i, I can't defend you know so yeah. joel webbin's response there again without any sort of context of the interview he doesn't even know when it happened but when he finds out you know when the comments were made his response immediately is just, oh, Alistair Begg sucks. That's his response. This is an ungodly response from Joel yeah. Webin. So he has an ungodly response to what he considers an ungodly piece of advice from Alistair Begg. Mm-hmm. You know, just so they're crushed. is like that, yeah. Yeah, just a quick, oh yeah, he sucks. Um, you know, so they're crushing Alistair Begg here for being ungodly by themselves being ungodly. Does that mm-hmm. sound hypocritical? Uh, it should because it is. You know? Yeah, I was just reading. It was just funny when I came across this proverb today. And I know it's 
taught elsewhere in scripture, not just in Proverbs, but it says, I mean, it's not exactly lined up, but you know, we can glean from it. What your eyes have seen, do not hastily bring into court for what will you do in the end when your neighbor puts you to shame? Argue your case with your neighbor himself and do not reveal another secret, lest he who hears you bring shame upon you and your ill repute have no end. So he's bringing shame upon himself. He's not going to his brother first to... Well, and being completely hasty without any context and just going, yeah, yeah, he sucks. No. But the way we're supposed to handle things. Not that Alistair, obviously, you know, it's talking about when someone sins against you, this is how you handle it one-on-one, privately. But I think even with these matters, it was a public thing. So I'd say don't be hasty to rebuke, but, you know, in gentleness. But this was a public thing. This wasn't a private thing, Alistair said. Like, he knew everybody was going to hear this. So that's more of the worry. That's why it's just a little, it's, it's worse. But still, they shouldn't be hasty <laughs> yeah. to that degree, right? Right, because right. Because if Joel Webb and all these other people on social media are claiming that Alistair sucks, right? Because he doesn't adhere yeah, to you're Ephesians still slandering. 5.11. Yeah. Yeah, so if he sucks, you're slandering him because he didn't adhere to Ephesians 5.11. Wouldn't they also suck by not adhering to First Timothy chapter five verse one? Because that says, "Do not sharply rebuke an older man, but rather plead with him as a father yeah. to the younger men as brothers." Right? Um, some translations say, "Do not re- you know sharply rebuke an elder." Well, Alistair would certainly fit that mold. Um, you know, so this is my problem. The response because in this same podcast with Joel Webin. Uh, he goes on to say that everything else he's heard from Alistair Begg over the course of his like 50-year ministry, whatever Alistair Begg's been doing, has been solid. That's what yeah. he says. Everything else I've heard from him has been solid. So everything's solid. And then one thought on one podcast he's never listened to, and Alistair sucks. That's the response. Um, I think, you know, and the problem too, right, is like, this response to Alistair Begg is unlikely, I would say, or not going to make him come out and repent, which is basically what's happened. They've reached out. One of the other podcasts I listened to, they reached out to Alistair's team, and they basically came back and said, Alistair stands by what he said. I mean, you can kind of be like, yeah, of course he does, right? He's being attacked on all sides, even by those who are supposed to be his brothers and sisters in the faith. And why are they coming out and attacking him so quickly, so hastily as Nikki read with that proverb? I mean, my initial guess was that it's pretty clickbaity, right? To come out and trash yeah. Alistair Begg. He's a big name in the Christian community. Trashing Alistair seems like a pretty good way to get some views on YouTube and Twitter. Uh, maybe I'm being you know, harsh and you know, unfairly judging them, but that was just the initial thoughts I had with, man, why are you guys coming out and just, you know, because the title of his... Uh, podcast for Joel Webin was low T pastors, like low testosterone pastors, Alistair Begg, almost like kind of, he's a low testosterone pastor. I mean, you know, that's not necessarily what he talked about in here, but that's what you would assume by looking at this. And um, I just think it's an ungodly way to respond to a godly man, um, even if you disagree with him. And I do yeah. believe that Alistair should come out and repent. And I think he should repent publicly because this was a public yes. statement that he made. 
Um, but yeah. I think personally, this sort of sounds more like a church discipline type of issue. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and if you talk to anyone that's in ministry, they'll tell you that like, those are not always like quick, clean and easy processes to get people through. And you can imagine, especially if the person you're trying to discipline is a world-renowned, world-famous pastor, um, that's probably an even more difficult, lengthy, uh, dirty process, I would imagine, or I would imagine. Mm -hmm. So I think this thing should have been handled quietly. It should have been handled by people who know him, who love him, who respect him. You know, like Joel Webin, I would imagine, probably has... He's got a pretty big ministry himself. Maybe he could have reached out to Alistair personally. He makes and you a like discussion. anybody be nervous to say anything slightly off from the scriptures or because he's just going to slander you. Just like, yeah, throw you right you. under the bus, right? Yeah. Um, it's a shame, right? And uh, like not giving someone a chance. Yeah. I mean, this like- should have been handled behind closed doors um, and <clears throat> try to encourage him to come out and repent publicly. You know, but to just blast him all over so social media, just but the human thing is to harden your heart to unbelievers. Like we're not supposed to have public disputes like no, that. We're not supposed to do that. And absolutely know. the opposite of the way we should be behaving. Yeah. Um. You know, and you consider like Alistair has been, as far as I know, and as far as Joel Webin would attest to, he's been a faithful and trustworthy teacher of the scriptures for decades and yet no grace is given to him, right? Just one mistake thrown under the bus. And I think it's a shame. Um, and also I think this is something else that really irks me about this story. You know, again, like I mentioned, Alistair has been a faithful, as far as I understand, teacher of the scriptures for decades. Um, and what I didn't hear from any single person was you know, like, man, this really challenges what I believe about the Bible. But you know what? I trust Alistair. So I'm going to give this some thought, some extra study and some prayer and see if I'm wrong. I didn't hear one person say that. Mm-hmm. It was just an immediate dude sucks. He's a heretic. Let's move off Alistair. After decades of ministry, like who would want to go into ministry if that's the standard? Yeah. You can love God, serve him your whole life. But if you get one doctrine wrong man, your ministry's crushed. Okay. Why on earth would you go into ministry then? Like what to me, I mean, that sounds like a huge personal pride issue. And I think this happens on a whole range of topics in the Christian faith. Like any topic you don't agree with that gets taught, all that means to you is, well, I just shouldn't listen to that teacher anymore. That teacher is just dead wrong. And I'm not listening to it. I'm going to find yeah. someone else that teaches what I already believe. And if they're an obvious false teacher, then yeah, you can get solid teaching from someone else, of course. Right, but Alistair is not an obvious false teacher. Right. He's not, you know, I mean, I don't know who Paula White or whatever, or, you know, these false prophets. That's not who Alistair is, right? So rather than any <laughs> sort of thoughtful introspection on your own views, um, And, you know, honestly, I don't know, I don't believe that most people that claim to be Christian really know why they believe what they believe. And I think this is something else that bothers me about it. I don't think most people, you know, 
really know. I mean, they believe stuff, but I don't know that they know why they believe it necessarily. Uh, yet they're so quick to just cast people aside. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a shame. You know, like I'm 38 years old now, uh, been in church my entire life, been reading the Bible my whole life. I'm in seminary now. And all I keep thinking as I go through seminary and I read more and more is like, just how little I actually know because I've studied the issue down to like a certainty. That's all I keep thinking about. Like, that's why we're doing our Bible topic on end times. I'm like, I know what I've always believed about end times, but why do I believe it? Have I really studied it to the point where I can tell you based on my own biblical study, why I hold a view that I hold? Um, And I'm not trying to like brag about myself or anything. I've got miles to go, but like, I would assume that I read the Bible more than a lot of supposed Christians. I know that I probably pray more, at least just looking at the stats. I pray more than most Christians. I listen to more like sermons and discussions. Yet it seems like every, you know, 25 year old that read the gospels once knows enough to immediately cast aside Alistair Begg because they've got a solid grip on the entire Bible and all doctrine. Yeah. Like, that there just is, no, is wrong to me. There's no perfect preacher. I'm sure every preacher has said something that was off a little or just gave their opinion. Um, yeah, we would have no one to listen to. Um, we can't hold them up to perfection. But at the same time, when you, you know, correct them, like he said, like a father, like a son to a father and pleading with them, um, you hope that they would be willing to be corrected. You just, like, I just hope that he's not being prideful in it. That's just one of, that's just my worry. Um, It is a concern, so it is something that makes me, you know, you want to pray for him because he is, a lot of people look up to him and a lot of people put pastors above the word of God. People still do that. So it is a concern. I'm not trying to say that he's a heretic, but it's, it is very concerning to me. Um, he didn't use scripture really to guide her. He just kind of made up, you know, a, a weak definition of, of love. So I'm just, I'm not trying to paint him as a heretic though, but um, so I hope it's right for us to say what we're saying and it not be disrespectful you know, um, because this is public, um, so we're not slandering him. We're not trying to do that at all. Um, we listen to him as well, and and yeah, Spencer's mom to listens the... to him a lot lately. Actually, I mean, I got if you guys can see behind me on the video, I have my Alistair Begg produced Spurgeon's Study Bible, which I really like. Alistair Begg is supposed to be coming to the Shepherds Conference this year. I was excited about that because oh, yeah. I'll be there. And uh, I did see one video that was like, Alistair Begg needs to be removed from the Shepherds Conference immediately. So we'll see what John MacArthur does. He should have a chance. I mean, I think. Well, and my hope is that someone like John MacArthur would reach out to him and have a discussion with him. And, you know, because that's the way it should go. Right. You know, those people are, you know, like Alistair is probably not going to listen to me. Right. This is going to sway people one way or the other. There's going to be people disappointed on either side, no matter what they do. If he stays, there's going to be people disappointed if he 
doesn't, there's going to be people. Which is why it's a shame that it's come out the way that it has, right? Where it's just, you know, immediate, you know, covering all the social media trash in the guy Mm. because now it's pitting people against each other, which is not great. And, um, it's not great. Should have been handled better in my opinion. It came up right before the conference. I mean, not that it came up, right? Because if he's wrong and if he's, you know, prideful and is wrong or in his wrong beliefs and he's promoting this, um, you know, sinful lifestyle, then you would certainly want that to come about. But you also want to accept that like nobody's perfect, right? People make mistakes. People interpret doctrine wrong. They give their uh, opinions on things that aren't necessarily scriptural. And you'd like to have time for someone to come to their senses you know, the church discipline and realize, you know what, I was wrong there. And if Alistair truly does believe in God, if the spirit truly is working in him, then he would come to his senses and he would repent. But it's harder to get that to happen when you become a pariah on social media. And now your personal pride comes to defend yourself. Where if this had happened and people like, you know, Joel Webin or John MacArthur and John Piper, whoever happens to be his circle, reached out to him in love and like mm-hmm. Alistair, listen. I'm sure they you're are. Not, you know, right. And maybe they are too, but right when you try to join that together with being the social media pariah, it makes it a whole lot more difficult. And that's the shame because, you know, you wish that this could have came out and then maybe Alistair could have, you know, you just wish it would have worked yeah. differently is like, the thing that I'm saying. I feel like it, it's not right for every pastor close to him, especially like those that are going to be at the shepherds conference to have, you know, it brought up and giving their, I guess their opinion, but with scripture, like, I feel like that's not right for everybody to be publicly talking about it. Like prominent, well-known pastors, especially those, the shepherds conference. I feel like it, that would be awkward. And we weren't even going to discuss this story when I first saw it come out. You know, I thought, you know, we'll see. Although, you know, we want to talk about it. I just, I wasn't sure how to discuss it, but we had, you know, one of our um, great listeners on YouTube kind of reach out and say, Hey, this is a story that you guys may want to discuss. And I thought, all right, you know, if people want us to talk about it, I brought we'll it up to you it. first. <laughs> Nikki is better than our listeners. All right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, but you know, I thought, Hey, if people want us to talk about this and I'm glad that we are, I think it's important to talk about, you know, maybe it's my own personal feelings that I like Alistair and I really yeah. didn't want to look into it and go, you know, you don't want to be disappointed. I again. thought it was like a fake video. Like it was a short video. And I was like, what? Yeah. So, I mean, you know, maybe, maybe it was my own, you know, uh, desires to not, you know, see someone that I really respected sort of fall. Uh, and not that I necessarily that considering fallen. that he's falling, but um, I'm glad that we talked about it. So, you know, why is this important to Christians, right? We always like to do that on this show. And I think it's important to Christians because this is something that is happening um, more and more frequently. And not we see so many pastors going woke. So that's the reason we're like nervous. Right. I think it's happening more and more in two different areas. I think we're seeing more and more go the woke route, which is super concerning and we need to be aware of it. Yeah. But I think it's also something we see more and more where it's just this like, quick to judge, quick mm-hmm. to be harsh with our criticisms. And I think while we're supposed to be brothers and sisters in the faith, I think we're kind of becoming stumbling blocks to believers when we act this way. Yeah. And that's super concerning to me. Again, I generally like Joel Webin, 
but I think you're becoming a stumbling block to Alistair here. Like, um, and it's funny because the responses to Alistair in, in this whole controversy is basically exactly what Alistair was kind of talking about not being yeah, that's true. in that podcast interview that he's getting crushed for. You know, he was kind of saying like, hey, we need to kind of not be the harsh, hypocritical, judgmental people that the world tells us we are. We need to show them the love of Christ. And then he slips up and the harsh, critical, hypocritical, you know, Christians just bashed him to death. <laughs> like, maybe they should have listened to the rest of the podcast before they chimed in on the last three minutes of it. But, you know, we're Christians. We need to be people of patience, grace, and forgiveness, not you know, the world is full of people who won't forgive you, who will crucify yeah. you over one mistake, right? We as Christians should not be that way. And yet it seems like we're kind of doing that with Alistair Begg here. And it's a shame. Uh, so what should we do about it? I think for starters, don't be like Joel Webb in here. Um, don't yourself sin by rebuking an elder with such hastiness and harshness, you know, uh, I'm sure Alistair's got an email. I'm sure he's got, you know, Twitter accounts and stuff. Reach out to Alistair. I'm sure you have the option, whether he'll hear from you or not, his team will. Um, yeah. Reach out to him with respect, with encouragement, you know, reach out to him in love and sort of, you know, call him maybe to examine scripture, to pray and to repent about these things. And Yeah, it seems like he would take, if he hasn't already, to consideration if he hears from his team, like you have thousands of people concerned well and not even necessarily i mean it should be his team right because they should be surrounded by people he respects yeah but also just like hey man there's like an overwhelming number of people who love you who Mm -hmm. you know give to this ministry who support you and they're all telling you you're wrong yeah please consider your views Mm -hmm. look to scripture pray And if you find that you're wrong, have the courage to repent. Yeah. You know, be humble enough to repent. Like that's the way it should be. That's how we should be reaching out to him. Um, And then also, I mean, these situations are going to continue to rise, right? Because people are human and human makes humans make mistakes. Um, So when these situations arise, don't be so quick to just dismiss. uh, And this is kind of what I was talking about earlier. Like, don't be so quick to just dismiss Mm -hmm. um, these people that are, who you would assume are God-fearing, respectable, and serious men, even when what they say goes against what you believe. Um, You know, take your time to read yourself and to pray yourself, right? Because we don't know everything. Yeah, like you said, you can study the Bible for decades and not have everything down. No, and I mean... That doesn't make you a heretic because... You don't know everything. No, it just means that God is deep, right? And his doctrines are deep in there. But when de- when scripture is brought to your attention, though, that's different. People are bringing scripture Absolutely. to you and it's it's clear. And so then you're in a instance, you just, you can accept it or deny it. And Right. And that's where we need to be humble, pray for humility, right? So as we hear these things with hum or with humility, I would say, go and read and study and pray and see if you're wrong and they're right. Um, but if they're wrong, right, just make sure that you do your due diligence to... No, I mean, obviously some things you've probably studied enough. And I would say this here with Alistair is not necessarily in that case. I would say this is a clear, I think fairly easy thing to understand, right? Like 
We don't be partakers of evil um, and debauchery with other people. I think that's sort of, so that that's not, I'm not saying that we should necessarily spend hours and weeks in study over this topic. I'm saying just in general that when mm-hmm. somebody who, you know, a 50 year faithful ministry says something you disagree with, maybe take the time to study and look into that and see if maybe they're right and I'm wrong, right? Because that takes humility. Yeah. Before he said it, though, he's, he said a lot of people are not going to like this or a lot of people are going to disagree mm-hmm. or be upset. He knew, and he knew the people listening were Christians. So he, he knew right. the listeners are Christians and he knew a lot of them would be upset. So why would he assume that? Is that contrary to his other teachings? There's no reason we should be upset if it's in line with his other teachings. Well, and he did go on to clarify, you know, or his team went on to clarify after this. And they said, you know, Alistair's views have not changed. He believes that homosexuality is a sin. He believes, you know, it's an abomination. He believes that marriage is one man, one woman. Like he believes uh, traditional Christian values on on marriage. It's just this idea of going and being a partaker he veered on. Um, so, you know, again, I'm not saying that Alistair was right in his advice. I'm just saying in all of these instances, whatever the doctrine is, right. If you have a, you know, we took our kids to a, uh, a Presbyterian church for Wednesday, you know, like youth group for kids. And we went on the occasional Sunday and we thought their, their preachers were great. They taught the Bible really well. We disagree with them on baptism you know, but, and we never got into the discussion, but I've thought about this a lot. Like I would love to sit down and have a discussion with them on baptism because I'm sure I would learn a great deal. Yeah. On infant baptism. You know, I don't necessarily believe in infant baptism, but I would love to have that discussion because I believe that they thoughtfully study the scriptures. Mm -hmm. And I think you could learn a lot from that. So just be open to that. That's all I'm talking about. Be humble when you hear things you disagree with. Mm -hmm. Um, and then lastly, how should we pray about it? Because Christians should pray about everything. Uh, I think we should pray that Alistair would repent and that he would do it publicly. Um, and I think we should also pray that all these others, right, the Joel Webbins and all these other social media sort of Christian influencers, if you will, that they would repent as well for their hasty and harsh rebukes of Alistair. Because as you kind of mentioned, Alistair is an important man. Um, there's a whole lot of people who have looked up to him, who've sat under his teachings, and it would be a great shame to see him slide off into false teaching. Um, that's a lot of people that he might either drag with him or whose you know hearts mm-hmm. he would break because yeah. people, I'm sure, love Alistair. You know, if you sit under a, a minister for 30, 40, 50 years, and you believe that he's been teaching you right, and this comes out, and like, maybe now you're questioning a whole lot of things, right? So that'd be a shame. So pray for him that he would come out and publicly repent. I pray that these other people would publicly repent. Yeah. Um, So that's how we should be praying, I think. Uh, So do you have any final thoughts on Alistair? Um, Just the ideas that we've discussed in this episode? No. I'd love to hear from you guys on this. Um, If you're following this story at all, you know, what do you think about Alistair, the advice he's given, how the response to what he said has gone? I'd love to know what you guys think. 
are we, am I being too soft on Alistair? You know, should I have said he sucks like Joel Webin? Uh, I'd love to know what you guys think on that. So please come let us know in the comments, send us an email, find us on social media. Um, all that stuff would be great. We'd love to have those discussions. I do my best to respond to every comment. Uh, but uh, yeah, consider that. So we don't really have a Bible topic this week just because we want to give more time to Alistair here. So we're just going to go ahead and roll into our recommended listening. And probably really to no surprise here, our recommended listening is just going to be Alistair's podcast, the one that he's getting crushed for. Um, if you haven't listened to it, actually go and listen to it for yourself. See what he had to say, right? Figure out the context, all you reformed mm -hmm. Christians out there that love to beat people over the head with context. Go listen to the context. Um, do your homework before you jump on the old uh, bash beg bandwagon, if you want to call it that. So go listen to it. Because I think for the first 26 and a half minutes, it's really good advice for Christians. Got a little squirrely there at the end. Hopefully he, you know, gets back on the narrow road. Um, that's my hope. But the rest of it's pretty good. So go give that a listen. Come find us on social media. Leave us a comment. I'll do my best to get back to you guys. But otherwise, uh, that's all we got. I hope to uh, see you guys. Come give us a listen on the podcast tomorrow for our family devotion on Genesis chapter 4. Uh, if you haven't been following, I kind of do daily shorts Monday through kind of Thursday, if you will, um, on whatever chapter in Genesis we're going to talk about on Sunday. So this week it was Genesis 4. I think we have some pretty good devotions on those throughout the week. So go give those a listen and uh, we'll have a longer, lengthier discussion on that on Sunday. So other than that, have a blessed week. Thank you.